0: Episode 21 at the Metro Fan TV weekly rundown. And if you're listening to this, ladies and gentlemen, congratulations. You've made it through the cold winter. Red Bull Soccer is upon us. Lensa Fernando coming to you here to preview everything and more about the upcoming CCL clash in the Dominican Republic against Atletico de Pantoa. How are you today, Fernando?
1: I am so excited. I can't even I, I can't even put it to words, man. Uh, it has been a interesting offseason to say the least. So uh, it's like eight-something, and this we're finally going to see our first scrimmage this off season, which will probably be the last one. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited.
0: Yeah, I mean, on that topic of that, interesting time for a curveball to be thrown at us. But uh, um, before we really, really dig deep and get into that, we do have a special guest tonight, considering that we are playing soccer in the Dominican Republic, and it's none other than one of the most prominent Dominican voices on RBNY Twitter the Miro of RBN, my Twitter, Juan Escalante. How are you?
2: Que lo que? Ya tu sabes, manito.
0: I got like maybe like five words of that. That's fine. <laughs> <It's okay. laughs> I speak tonal languages, sir.
3: Oh,
2: yes. Like
0: four tones with me, not like not like normal and aggressive and like chill. Like that's well, the is
2: always aggressive. That's the tone. <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> it's aggressive at one hundred miles an hour.
2: It's one tone and one speed. How can you be aggressive? <laughs>
1: wow! Whoa! Whoa! When... Is is dr like? Is that eds?
2: It's it's eds Spanish. It's energy drink Spanish.
0: You know, I, I I'm gonna refute that because like I don't understand like how a language can have like a slang term called guagua gua and be aggressive. Let like, us. Whoa whoa, whoa!
1: whoa! 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 Puerto Ricans use that too. Easy, chief.
0: That's not that, that. doesn't sound aggressive to me, man. Like,
2: what's more aggressive than naming something th- by the sound it makes? <laughs> Granted, guagua could also be a, a, an ambulance because I imagine that's the sound an ambulance makes. But uh, we do use buses as ambulances. It's a Dominican Republic. It's a, we're a very poor country. <laughs> if you haven't gone to the hospital in a bus in a guagua.
0: Is it, is it like, it's is like public transport, basically, ain't it?
2: Remember, <laughs> no. we just got a subway, so.
0: <laughs> I was going to say, like, because uh, kids casually being born in public buses, like, on a Thursday, on your way to work, like, no big deal.
2: No, oh, like, absolutely not.
0: <laughs> well, anyway, it's been a very busy um, couple of weeks here. Um, following the conclusion of The Bachelor Season 2 featuring Kaku, we ha- finally had a number of signings, a lot of movement in the transfer market recently, and uh, we're here to talk all about it, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, that's right. Spreadsheet talk is back on this podcast, and it couldn't be any stronger. And uh, we're going to kick things off, I guess, by talking about the uh, name on everyone's lips with the uh, $2 million acquisition of the Danish boy wonder, Matthias Jorgensen. And from Odense for what I believe is a multi-year contract on a Tam deal, and which kind of runs a bit contrary to what we I kind of saw expecting, considering the uh, significant financial investment that was put in him, uh, where he could have potentially been in a young DP. But as we say many times in this podcast, you know, like those designations don't really matter so much. I think in this day and age where we can reconstruct the, our roster in a variety of different ways that we see fit. But, um, of course, the uh, the book in Jorgensen, you know, like you have a very, is speed. And as we know in EDS, speed kills. And, uh, you know, I think it's a very interesting acquisition. I can't really, I, I really can't wait to see him um, in action because I think what we've, really is going to make this attack like so much more dynamic. Is that like injection of pace up front? Because I think, um, you know, well, you know, I mean, we love Brad and everything, but he doesn't really quite have the legs to blow past dudes. I think really ever. And I think if you do have someone like that on a counter, you can latch into those like direct balls in the transition, running into space behind the defense. Like that just makes us so much more potent on the counter attack. So I'm going to give it away to you guys. Like, uh, Start us off here. Like, How do you guys feel about this Jorgensen transfer? Does it make you at ease for the upcoming season? Does it address a need? Um, what do you think It's the plan going forward here?
2: Well, he's no Fernando Torres. I'll tell you that much.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Starting off with a bit of shade, but it's okay. That guy doesn't listen to this podcast anyway. I,
2: want, I wanted Fernando Torres. That, that's... I thought I was the only person who wanted Fernando Torres on this team.
0: I'm telling you, you can get Fernando Torres when he's relegated in Japan this year on a free. Okay. I guarantee no, you
2: I know. want to build a titan- no, wait, wait,
1: I want a real difference maker. Then, if he's getting teams rele- relegated, we need an actual difference maker. He's not worth it.
0: <laughs> can you imagine building your team around Fernando Torres in the uh, year our Lord 2019? Like, I can imagine like a stupider piece of business.
2: Does Sagan Tosu even build their team around Fernando Torres anymore?
0: Well, he was at their he he was at their preseason presser, so he's the face of the team. I guess yeah. so. <laughs> Dumbasses.
2: That's a that's a that's a, that's a regressive team right there. Yeah, anyway.
1: I, I think uh, it's exciting. You know, I you mentioned his speed, and and I know sometimes you know it's easy just to be like you know oh speed FIFA, but like with the way this team plays, the one of the most important things is. Uh, is the transition and how quickly they can transition and how quickly they can get to goal uh, when that transition starts. And especially after Velo got injured, that the 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 speed of the transition was noticeably slower um, in the second half of last year. and and I think part of it too could have also just been uh, fatigue, especially with um, with uh, with brad and and then he had you know some some issues with uh, with Royer. But even with Royer, you know, for example, he a lot of times during the season you would notice he would kind of just slow it down a little bit um, instead of just going, going, you know, balls out and going towards goal. So having someone like uh, like Matthias in there to to keep that that transition as aggressive and quick as possible uh, with with someone like Aqua behind him with with his great passing ability, hopefully a ho- uh, a healthy Velo. Um, you know, pushing forward, for, uh, pushing forward with the attack. This could very well be the most aggressive um, transition I think we've ever seen. I think uh, what we saw early in the first half uh, last season I think um, is was kind of just a glimpse of what we could potentially see and how lethal the team can be. If if anyone actually watches like Salzburg and Leipzig, one of the things you'll notice, probably the biggest difference in my opinion between uh, between us and them is that transitional speed. They, they're usually kind of balls to the wall a lot more than we are. Not just in terms of just raw speed, but uh, how frequently do uh, they do that? So with an aging Brad and and with you know who knows what's going on with with Warrior's knee and, and how much that's taken off of his uh, of his um, of what he can do, um, having some like him in there and is I I think could potentially like really make a big difference in terms of of. Uh, how aggressive we can be not just in the press which i last year we saw how aggressive the press was but the for me the final key to this team like really really shining with with how the other rebel teams played the other high press is the is the transition and how fast they're able to do that um not just in terms of 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 uh um again full-on you know speed of the players but also the quickness in which they just kind of keep on, keep that uh keep that transition going so um it's gonna be interesting to see how, how that, that how he plays into it um cool. are we
2: are we even sure that this guy's fast because I'm looking at his stats in fifa and he's only 79 acceleration uh, <laughs> we even 77 sprint I mean he's no victory barbo he's listen,
0: no- listen maybe, maybe, maybe we send a team of the week version of him like, who knows? You don't know that.
2: Also, Not to even speak- his total stat. I mean, 58 in FIFA. I don't, I don't know. I don't know why we're spending this money out here for this guy.
1: <laughs> maybe. Wow. Maybe, maybe, like, Dennis has, like, the wrong version of FIFA. Or maybe you
3: yeah. have the it wrong is, version. Maybe ma- oh, wait, oh, wait, 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 Dennis wait, thought.
1: What's his pro-evolution soccer rating? Maybe that's oh, what on. they're using. <laughs> let's,
0: maybe let's Dennis see. thought he was uh, getting the guy from Huddersfield instead.
2: Ah, the center back. That would make they do need sense. another center back. <laughs> Fuck.
0: They do need another center back, so why not sign both Matthias Jorgensen's? Sign oh, that'd both
2: be sick. Matthias Jorgensen. That's a great idea.
0: Just a team of Matthias Jorgensen's playing. Are <laughs> like, we oh, give
2: uh, two players the same number? Yeah.
0: No, is there going to be Jorgensen's, like, 1 through 11? But, uh, like, it doesn't... Like mean, Talbenheim,
2: Talbenheim 1 and Talbenheim 2? Yeah.
0: No, no, like, like, it's not even going to matter if, like, the, the other Matthias Jorgensen's, like, ever played soccer in your lives, like, they're just going to be assigned a position right out the gut. Like, they're just going to throw all the jerseys up in the air, and, like, whichever one you grab is the one, is the position you end up playing. So, like, you can have, like, a bank manager called Matthias Jorgensen, who's, like, a 47-year-old dad playing in goal for all you know. It's going to be fucking great. But.
2: So, I don't think I don't think Matthias Jorgensen is in, is in pro-evolution soccer. So, what are we
0: doing? Yeah, no, this, this front office is clueless.
2: Book League.
0: This, this front, this front office is fucking ridiculous. <laughs> but um, I'm going to throw, I'm going to hearken things back for people for a bit because I think a name that kind of sticks out to me is, a, is the one that got away last year, right? A certain man by the name of uh, Ignacio Puseto that people were losing their fucking minds about because he decided to go to Udinese. Just kind of like what he wanted to do this whole time. So uh, we've kind of known that the team was in the market for a speedy forward for quite some time, you know? And I think uh, the addition of Jorgensen kind of stands as sort of being like uh, the reasonable, I think conclusion to this thread that kind of uh, was left open from last year where we were. And because it really does indicate that we've been in the market for this sort of pacey, Um, attacking addition for quite some time so this closes out a really nice loop Um, I believe the uh, comments from Armis and Hamlet were that he was on the radar for quite some time and they were pretty happy that they managed to close him out and you know I mean like talking about the um, excitement that you managed to saw um, that you saw in his introductory press conference right I've never seen Dennis smile that big in my life like when he was introduced like um, so I think considering the, uh, considerable financial investment that they put into Jorgensen, like, uh, I really do think that there's a chance that he like kind of makes a case for first team minutes right off the bat. Um, I'm probably going to feel confident enough in saying that we could probably rubbish notions of a, that this is a Red Bull two signing first and foremost, and that, any time that he potentially sees in USL is going to be, like, minimal at most. Like, uh, well, I'm going to throw it back to you guys. Like, where do you think he fits in this uh, starting lineup?
2: Hmm. Would he play... I'm thinking, what's who is the player he would be in the lineup uh, replacing?
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, like, that's, a, that's another I mean,
2: question. Our, our regular, like, uh, you know, the... 451
0: or whatever. Yeah, like that that's another question in itself because like um it seems like uh he's only really played striker like
3: uh-huh.
0: for the duration of his career. So like there's kind of like this um question of do we switch to 4222 two, two to accommodate right. him or do we kind of try and get him to play like that royer role where he starts out wide but tucks in to become like a second striker for playing striker. off of yeah. BWP, you know, like is I think if you look at the average map positions throughout our games last year, like even though we started in a four-two-three-one, one they generally, on average, ended up in a 4 triple 2 like, formation in terms of average position on the field. So I think while the starting formation was a four-two-three-one, we were practically playing 4 for 2 from most of last year anyway. So um, probably going to be one of the more interesting things to look at going forward. Um, I wish we had like a preseason game to kind of get at a gander on like uh, what exactly the plan with him would be going forward. But unfortunately, like uh, since the RSL friendly was like washed out, like um this is the only thing that we're going to be able to see before CCL. And it seems like the reserves are starting tonight. So,
3: so it's a I, shame.
1: I just want to go on record and saying my guess uh, is he doesn't play a single game with Red Bull too. Like officially, if you, if we're, if if I'm going to take Dennis's word in saying that they expect him to be, um, to have significant involvement from the beginning, given the schedule congestion of not just the whole MLS, you know, season being condensed the way it is because of the playoff format change, but also the fact that we do have Champions League, um, immediately into the season. And if I'm assuming we're going to progress at least, at, um, uh, past the first, you know, the first round, um, we're gonna need that depth. We're gonna need that rotation, and I just don't see the room or even logic of not keeping someone like him around for the first team. If you're there's, you know, if you're already in a situation early into the season like we were last year, you saw how much we rotated uh, the lineup. So if we're expected similar type of congestion, if not more congestion, again because of the now condensed Uh, MLS regular season I just don't even see a much of a window for him to go down Um, it just I don't know for me just it just wouldn't make sense and if he ends up being as good as I think everyone is hoping him to be and he does show uh, really good signs from the beginning then at that point why why let him why waste his his why waste him developing with Rebel 2 if if he's making an impact with the first team let him develop with the first team at at a higher level that's only going to help his development even more. um so yeah, I just I don't know. I I'm I'm I really don't think he's going to uh he's going to see any any minutes rebel too. The only way I can see him making a uh, getting minutes at any point is going to be if maybe he has a little bit more time adjusting to what they need in terms of uh the system and the style and the for you know, the tactics and stuff. Maybe he ends up you know, showing he's got the the skill set, so maybe he really needs um, a bigger curve with the understanding of tactics, and maybe I guess people have hoped. Besides that, I can't I can't imagine a situation where he would end up going to Rebel too.
0: Um. Yeah. You know, like I'm gonna kind of turn the guide the conversation towards like the significance of this transfer actually, because this is something that has kind of come up and th- something that I've been thinking about like a fair bit when I've had the chance to and this is sort of like the first like fruit of the Red Bull pipeline, bringing in a very high caliber prospect, I think from Europe to the league with the purpose of trying to advance his career, which I think is a very interesting like moment for the league that hasn't really quite been picked up, you know, cause I mean, Jorgensen is a uh, Danish under 19 international and, uh, that has been quite well regarded amongst youth circles in Denmark for quite some time. And, uh, he explicitly said that the New York clubs connections to Leipzig was a major reason why, like, I think he ended up making the move to MLS. So, um, This is sort of like a very interesting moment for the league where you kind of see a move, I think, that you'd see at a bunch of other major European clubs, right? Spending like a low million fee on an under-19 player to try and develop them into something bigger, you know? Only whereas like at those teams, you might see like uh, the player they spend a low million fee on like develop with the reserves or the academy for like maybe an additional two or three years, like, here you're going to have a guy who's probably going to be playing significant first-team minutes, like, right off the bat. So uh, it's kind of been an interesting sort of uh, – sort of – sort of, uh, what is it? Vision into where New York kind of stands, I think, in their Red Bull global hierarchy this year, where this is sort of like an alternative um, for – Um, that Ripple Global might see this club as being like an alternative landing spot for prospects who they think can need quality first team minutes right off the bat. You know, and I think that's sort of like where the synergy between like the synergy from Global comes from. You know, like Global kind of identified him as a potential contributor for Leipzig, but they also realized that like they weren't going to be able to have, give him the time he needed to develop like maybe either at Salzburg or Leipzig So what better place to put him than with the New York club where there are minutes opening up and the quality of play in MLS will generally, um, and the quality of play in MLS is generally improved to the point where, um, you can legitimately have quality talent development happening within the league. You know, you play against quality opposite, you play against higher caliber, like opposition every single year, sorry, every single week. And you get to manage like a very grueling traveling schedule. So if you manage to overcome these hurdles and show that you can excel, you know, like, I think you, you put yourself in a really good platform for success in Europe. If you land with the right MLS club. And I think that's sort of like what the bet is here, right? Like global is betting on New York's ability to develop talent and for the purpose of eventually moving them on to Leipzig form and, uh, in return, the appeal to the player is, is that they see the sales that the New York club has made to Europe, right? You see a Miazga to Chelsea, you see a Tyler Adams to Leipzig. And it kind of encourages you to make that hot because you know that this club knows what it's doing. And if you do well here, like your chances of landing at a very good club are high, you know, especially if you're earmarked for potential contributions in Europe.
2: Yeah, I mean, this is this is on the point about Red Bull Global. I think this is one of the earliest signs that of a um, Red Bull Global sort of being a, at least the club, uh, a horizontal structure between the club, as opposed to us being seen as like the C team for the Leipzig squad. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, no, it's true. Yeah. Like, this is not you know he's you said an under nineteen Danish international. Yeah. Promising kid looks like looks to move to Europe to play at Leipzig. Uh, but this isn't exactly, you know, an Omar Damari type signing, you know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> or even a Freddie Goldbranson, Branson. But you know, uh, shout out to Freddie Goldbranson out there. So,
1: I, I made a tweet that that's I got not blowback, but definitely some people definitely were kind of confused at, at uh what I was trying to say. But I basically made a tweet saying that, that in my opinion, this was uh. A bigger and more uh, impressive and interesting—I uh, think is probably the better word to use—the most more interesting signing than um, the transfer for for Gaku, simply because while, oh wait, Eps just scored. Oh no, uh, White just
0: scored. That was Brian White, I think. But yeah, yeah, yeah right. White. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: Cross got Cross got the um. F's got the uh, the assist.
2: Hold on, I'm getting. I'm going to see the goal right now. <laughs> I'm not
0: there yet. Guys, guys, hold on, hold on, hold on, guys. Red Bull reserves trashing Portland. Where have we seen this before?
3: Oh, where Oh yeah. <laughs> oh man.
0: Oh, this deja vu is great. this deja vu all over again. Didn't, didn't Ben Mines like score around this like point as well? Like
3: <laughs> Yeah, it was really the game. <laughs> fucking rules. And Chara
0: is, is playing as well. This is so funny. No
2: for. I'm still. This goal is still. Okay, I think this is the goal now. <laughs> oh right. my god! But, but um, yeah. So, I, so good.
1: <laughs> yeah. So I, I think it's more. I think it's more interesting uh, transfer than Thankaku was because you know it, not that it's a norm in MLS at all, but I mean it's it's. If you take away the money part of what we we paid for Kaku, which was significant, it was at the time the second highest uh, transfer paid in MLS. Um, Just to profile, you know, a a young attacking mid from South America, like in 2018, 2019. Again, if you're one of the quote unquote ambitious teams, it's it's not the norms yet, but it's kind of almost expected. You know what I mean? That's quite different than spending a rumored – 2.3 2.3 to 2.5 million dollar transfer, which by the way, for us would be the second highest transfer fee ever paid, uh, just slightly edging out um, uh, Verone RIP. Um, but paying that much money for an 18 year old from Europe, I think, is is significant. I think that shows a, a shift, um, n- not just in MLS. And I, I won't even say it's a shift in MLS because I can't see any other MLS team. Doing that for probably another season or two, but yeah. for us, I think it signifies a shift in, in a couple of ways. Um, one, it shows that while this is kind of signing a a, a prospect, eighteen year old striker from Europe is just a normal thing in Europe. I mean, it happens every transfer window. You drill down specifically to Rebel Global, um, I think it kind of shines a little bit of light with what you were saying, Juan. That like. It's more of a horizontal type of thing with, with, with Rebel Global than, than just that that traditional vertical thing where we're just, you know, like you said, just a C team, right and under the rebel uh, umbrella. simply because that is a signing that Salzburg does all the time. That, that's nothing for them. That's that's just a typical, oh, yeah, we signed a guy for you know two million dollars. That's a normal thing for them. That is not normal for us. So to see that profile of a player go to us, instead of um, instead of Salzburg or in a bigger scale for that person to go to MLS instead of somewhere else in Europe, I think is significant because I think that takes a lot more convincing and a lot needs to be there in order to convince that type of player profile to come to MLS than just, again, another – you know, young attacking midfielder from from Argentina or or South America in general. Uh, I think you know that's again, it's it's almost expected that's where you want your big profile player to come from or your transfer fee player to come from, not from Europe. So, uh, to me, I think it again it shines a light, a brighter light on what could really be going on with this with this team that we support in the grander uh, uh, context of Rebel Global. And I think it shows that we are f- way, way, way f- closer and, and further in line with just what Rebel Global wants in general, not just from one team or, or, or two teams. But I, I think I think we can now say that we are firmly – Um, We're firmly in place of we're just we're part of Rebel Global. There's just no more. I don't think there's any more of us kind of being an outlier. I think we're we're following following a pretty clear path. I think at this point or a clearing path um, by the year now that we're inching closer and closer to what Salzburg does and what Leipzig does. And I think that transfer signifies uh, a big part of that.
2: Take that, Red Bull, Ghana.
0: oh man oh wow that's a blast from the past isn't it like oh boy. yeah can, can you imagine living in the alternate universe where like red bull ghana is like feeding us like these crazy like a crazy amount of kids from the west african grassroots scene and like we're it would be
2: red bull ghana to playing at uh at mlk high school in the city <laughs>
0: No, it is like like, like like my like totally exuberant prediction is that in this alternative universe that are, there are going to be three clubs like, right at the Club World Cup under the Red Bull umbrella. So this is going to be like <laughs> Leipzig, um, Leipzig, um, us representing CONCACAF, and then Ghana representing CAF. But I mean, it can happen in this timeline as well. Remember, because we do have Red Bull Brazil. And I will we'll be getting a bit more into Red Bull Brazil a bit later, because we do have some interesting news coming from there. But uh, I think I just kind of wanted to uh, talk about like what this move kind of means in like a greater context of MLS as a whole. And you know, I think people have been like paying a lot of attention, I guess, to the Pity Martinez transfer. Because I mean, yeah, fifteen million dollars for a guy who is the South American f- footballer of the year. I mean, it would naturally. Hey. Sorry. Cause a lot of excitement. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> Amir killed a guy, but he did. Oh, so he tripped.
0: Um, yeah, no, like, like um, what, what was I saying? Right, Pity
2: Martinez.
0: Yeah, I mean, Pity Martinez, $50 million. I mean, like, the money that dropped for a player like that, I mean, is naturally going to cause a lot of, I guess, excitement for people right off the bat. But, um I don't actually think that it's the most interesting transfer in MLS this season, if I'm being quite frank with you. Um, Jorgensen is kind of a bit more interesting because this is sort of like the first uh, sort of profile of a young European prospect coming over. But it also speaks to the health of MLS, and I think that the signing of Huangin Byung at, Va- at Vancouver, and I think is, is another one that I can really kind of point to as sort of like the shifting tide in MLS in terms of um, overall quality. Right? Where the level of quality has improved to the point where now you're starting to see a bit more of a global like reach in terms of enticing talent to come here to make the next big step for their careers, right? So you see a young European prospect like Jurgensen on our end, but then on the other end, you're starting to see like a guy who's considered a generational talent in Korea coming here to kind of prove that to, as a result of the league's positioning of itself, as being an improved platform for young kids to come here and test their middle. You know, I think it speaks to just the yeah. quality of opposition as a whole that.
2: Yeah. Do you know which club uh, yes. clubs were interested uh, or what was the potential European move for Kroing
0: It was Hamburg, I think, which was Hamburg. kind of would have been like a really bad move if you asked me, because Hamburg's kind of run like a bunch of dumbasses, but yeah, um, I think, you know, it, 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 when you kind of get at the shifting sense around the league, right, that goes on around the league with transfers such as this, like, you know, actually, that this model to a degree is kind of justified by the moves that other teams are making as well, and how yep. other leagues are changing their perceptions of MLS as being a place not just for retirees anymore. It's not a retirement league anymore. It's a talent development league. And kids, people are genuinely coming here because they think it's the next logical move in their career. And that's, I think, to me, great.
1: Yeah. What what frustrates me about the whole, um, the conversation around uh, transfers in MLS, mostly by like MLS Digital and, 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 you know, so many others who who follow the league and, and, you know, give all their stupid takes is like. People make it seem as if there's only one right way to build a team, that there's only one right type of transfer, and like, and if you don't have at least one of those, you're just not ambitious. You're just not good. You know, look, I'll give credit to Atlanta. They, they look, their their transfers in with exception with with, with the exception of Barco, um, have been solid. They've been they've been good tra- uh, transfers. I'm, I'm not going to take anything away from them, but if you look at how this team builds and how this team has has dealt with their, their transfers in and, 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 uh, their free acquisitions, whatever we prove that there is a completely different way to build a team. And that's perfectly okay too. So unfortunately people care more about the glitz, you know, some people see the sport for some reason as like WWE, you know, where it's, <laughs> it's about the, you know, it, it's about the glitz and and, and the the, the all, all this all the nonsense instead of what's actually important, and it's the sport itself. So of course that means that by default, the most expensive transfer is going to be the biggest transfer. Forget any context that that surrounds that transfer. Forget whatever context surrounds every other transfer that has the biggest money. That has the most chatter, so that is the most significant one, and that frustrates me because there are other transfers that have happened in MLS, not even with us. Again, look, 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 uh, look at Vancouver's tra- uh, a transfer. Um, there are other transfers that that paint a different picture of the, le- of the league. It paints a different picture of where the league is going, and it paints a different picture of, of how teams want to build. None of those are are. Maybe better than the others. They're all different, but they're all okay. And it's a shame that the way this league, uh, the way the league media tries to present certain things. It's if you're not doing what Atlanta is doing, then you're not Im- you're not as ambitious. You're not as you're not as good. You know your your transfers um, aren't as smart, or they're they're blah blah blah. It's it's stupid. It's nonsense. So anyone I think who's able to take a step back and really think about all the different transfers that's happening in MLS, I think it would be insane to not put. Our transfer from Matthias is, is one of the most significant moments in, in, in this league. Again, eighteen-year-old striker being convinced they not just any eighteen-year-old striker. This, this, this is a guy who's, who's had interest from, from, uh, 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 from pretty high-level German uh, Bundesliga teams. For that type of player profile to decide to come to here for, for two and a half million dollars, I, I don't think that's insignificant. But you know, he's not the, the South American Player of the Year, so who gives a shit, right?
2: Yeah. <laughs> I will say this. Uh Toronto <clears throat> spent what eight million dollars on Jermaine Defoe and clearly that was <laughs> 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 That
0: was a groundbreaking transfer. A
2: groundbreaking transfer. the sixth highest transfer fee in MLS history. Jermaine Guys, Defoe.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, I was I, w- I was told that uh the quality of the player was like Indicated by the number of like, this is transfer fee. That's why like Barco won like MVP in his first year with a twenty goal, twenty assist season. Yeah, an unbelievable player.
2: <laughs> right, is that yeah. Barco the second highest <laughs> transfer? <laughs> yeah, you know I mean, is there really
1: VAR in preseason? Yeah, there's VAR like... in
0: preseason, and uh someone just got a yellow. Uh, Duncan I don't got know, a yellow, I'm and to say got a yellow. Like I don't know what the fuck just happened there. <clears throat> Jesus. Meh, whatever. To solve MLS, I think we'll uh, shift our attentions now because I think we did have we did mention at the top of the program that we did have some interesting Red Bull Brazil news, and this is sort of like a ad- adding to this uh, additional theme of uh, Red Bull Global being uh, sort of like the centerpiece of this episode. I think so. Uh, if you kind of hate Red Bull Global. I think that we're Kool Aid drinkers and apologists. Like, maybe you should have turned the episode off, like, maybe about (laughs) half an hour ago. But, um, yeah, I mean, interesting news here is that we have two trialists, I think, from the Brazil under 20 squad. uh, None other than Jonathan and I think Adailton is the other guy, judging from the Instagram handles. Um, And this is interesting because, like, we've always kind of seen Red Bull Brazil as being this. Sort of like the long-lost cousin, right? Like who makes a fair, an unexpected appearance at the family reunion at Thanksgiving in like a telenovela, right? Like, <laughs> like cousin Carlos, who was long thought dead, suddenly shows up, and he's been alive for the last five years. Actually, he just had amnesia or something. I
2: have been living in Brazil. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: and I you brought know, presents I have- for you, my friends. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, um, two potential trialists from Red Bull Brazil. Uh, Jonathan is a defender. I think he's a center back. And Adailton, I think, is a winger. Um, So um, the words that we got from them is that they were on exchange here. Um, Exchange, of course, I think probably meaning like a trial with Mm. a look towards potentially signing with Red Bull 2. And I think I made a reference to this in Twitter where, like, this is sort of like an interesting moment because if we have a pipe, because it potentially establishes New York as sort of like having a pipeline to like Brazil, right? Like, this is a potential source of um, mm-hmm. cheap young talent from South America who understand a Red Bull system but are looking to kind of make the next step in their careers, right? And we're at no better place to move up from than. From, I guess, the second or third division in Brazil than here. You know, I think it's a very interesting um, development that Red Bull Brazil now is starting to integrate into the Red Bull global hierarchy and uh, potentially k- kind of serving as this um, point of intake for kids in South America for the other Red Bull global affiliates. So, kind of something to look forward to, I think talking about their player profiles a bit more Jonathan's a bit you can see the potential to become a ball playing center back with Jonathan I think he's a very I mean obviously he's kind of a bit frail kind of looks like he could kind of bulk up a little bit but the physical stuff can always come later you know I mean like what 17 or 18 year old is the most physically imposing guy in the world right other than uh right well, well 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 he's a special case right like okay. that guy's not human
2: like, what if our best Dwayne the Rock Johnsons played soccer, guys? <laughs> <laughs> what if our best <laughs> Polynesian high school football players? I,
0: I would, I, I would, uh, I would pay good money to see like The Rock give someone the People's Elbow. I think in a World Cup final,
1: <laughs> <laughs> that'd
0: be fucking great, man. Are you kidding me? <laughs> but anyway.
1: no, I- I think the Red Bull Brazil thing—it's uh, just another piece. I think of this of, of quite a few things this offseason that um, I think paints a little bit more of a clearer picture um, of what what's kind of really going on and, and where this team kind of fits in all this. Now we have had uh, we've had other you know Red Bull Brazil trials before. This isn't the first time um, that I know of. We haven't had multiple, um, and I'm I can't remember which, can't remember which one, but one of his – One of them is, is in rebel Brazil's uh, youth side. Um, And just reading up on some stuff, it's, it seems as if they're probably not just going to be trialists. Um, I think the, the, the center back has a pretty solid chance of actually signing a contract, which would be the first rebel Brazil player uh, that we've signed to my knowledge. Um, So Again, you know, it's one of those things where it's, it's, we slowly are starting to see that maybe we're also becoming, um, that the, uh, maybe not a preferred pipeline, but another pipeline for, for Rebel Glow where they don't just have to go straight to, uh, straight to Salisbury. They can go here and, and, and get, you know, great development and, and, and move on from there. So, um, it's interesting times. I think this yeah. is the, the, those two players are definitely interesting.
2: I think Red Bull Brazil is probably more of the development project than the other teams, just because of the way the Brazilian football pyramid works. Uh, like, if I understand correctly, Red Bull Brazil is sort of in the fourth division of the actual league, but they play in uh, the Campeonato Paulista and sort of the top flight there. So it's not as it's not like Leipzig coming up from whatever the, the fourth division in Germany where you're only coming up one way.
0: Goal. Yeah, it's a, it's a goal for Sean Nealis, ladies and gentlemen. The Holy draft shit. picks have gotten nice. in on the mix. <laughs> I
2: still haven't seen the goal yet, but I'm gonna take your word for it.
0: Yeah. Um. Sorry. Yeah. As, <laughs> I'm, I'm also gonna throw out a mea culpa to uh, my friend uh, Amarildo. Actually, it's not Adailton. I kind of fucked up in that one. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's Amarildo. Yeah. But like, I mean, like going back to what Juan was saying about the Brazilian football pyramid. I mean, like, um. It's such a – I mean like c- – because c- like they have – it's kind of a bit of a confusing structure because they have a like a kind of a – you have all the state leagues and then you have Campeonato Nacional, right? And I think the state of soccer in Brazil is kind of at the point where like it's less about these um, – where all the promising kids have been kind of snatched up by like big European yeah. clubs before they even hit the age of 20, right? Which kind of makes yep. – um, it's kind of and a, and the latent short-termism that kind of pervades at like the big clubs in Brazil also makes it really hard to have a very like stable development like program. If you if you land at a very let's say like a big club like a Flamengo or a, a or a I don't know like a Grêmio or something you know like yeah. the short-termism um, at the top of the Brazilian pyramid kind of yeah. makes it a bit difficult for young players looking to break through to have a very stable environment, in which they can kind of develop in, you know? Yeah. And, um, if And for we- a
2: team like Red Bull Brazil, like if they're a Red Bull team, they are more or less teaching these young guys system soccer, which is not exactly a thing I would think Brazilian soccer is known for.
0: Yeah. I mean, like Brazilian soccer, so, is like- I have
2: them, you know, uh, The short-termism of Brazil is that, you know, every manager gets three games. If they lose three in a row, then they're probably losing their job. But if you're playing in the fourth division, it might not be that big of a deal if you're out here developing guys.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, like having that kind of stable environment to groom players and like – means that you kind of have more of a long-term vision than perhaps 90% of the clubs in Brazil. Like, that's pretty great if you ask me. I mean, um, and if you're kind of doing it with uh, kids all under the age of, like, 23, like, that's even better, I think. So um, you're starting to see the roots of Red Bull Brazil, like, kind of starting to uh, spread out. And uh, actually, like, a little bit of a side fact, there's a former Red Bull Brazil player, playing in japan right now and he's been kind of hailed as like sort of like a big signing for the j league champions kawasaki frontal so yeah i mean you're starting to see the uh roots of the red bull brazil like red bull brazil's like reputation kind of grow as a premier development site for maybe not premier but like a better development site for young brazilian talent you know i think so yeah something to keep an eye on here
1: and and I think that's for me. I, I think that's one of the one of the things that makes these two kids interesting. Is and maybe a little bit different than in the past, where um, where again we've had some you know Rebel uh, Brazil trialists come in. Is they're coming in as trialists in probably um, the best time for Rebel Brazil players in terms of you know the global market. So um, yeah, it, it, I I just think it's 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 interesting between. You know, uh, the the Matai signing and and some some things that were said during the Gaku saga part two that I think kind of just, again, points points um, an interesting picture. And I just want to touch on that just really, really quick that, you know, for all the there was so much drama that was going on with the Gaku stuff. But for me, the most interesting part was how revealing it was. Right, because we all know the agent was full of shit and and he talked out of his ass. But the one constant that 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 came from the agent was how Austria plays a significant role in this team's transfer system. Because at first it was, uh, God, I don't even remember the order anymore. I think at first it was, uh, yeah, at first it was Austria was handling. The transfer. Then later on, he said, you know, there were Nazis and they weren't getting involved. But in either scenarios, that still means that Austria has a plays a pretty significant role in how this team is dealing with transfers. I don't think that little tidbit is a little tidbit. I think that's actually kind of a, a significant uh, thing to kind of find out because it's not like they're fully controlling this team. But I think it does show that again there is a pretty significant connection between this team and Salzburg. You now throw in the fact that you know we've been keeping an eye on uh, Matthias for for a while. According to Dennis, we know what that really means is our you know the scouts in Europe and Red, and likely Red Bull Salzburg scouts or whatever. Have also been keeping tabs of this guy. So, for me, it just shows that there's there's definitely a deeper connection between us and 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 Rebel Global as a whole. And we're not just some 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 fec- some uh, some second thought team that you know they're trying to be cheap and 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 you know uh, some kind of like second or third thought. No, we are very much tied deeply into red bull global a lot more than people realize. And, and there's been a lot of small little things I think throughout the preseason, uh, during this off season in general, uh, that's kind of shown that.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Um, I guess uh, that kind of puts a bow on everything we have to talk about in regards to transfer news. Uh, uh cause I think we're going to move on now to the match that would be on everyone's lips. And this is sort of like the first, uh, uh, dose of competitive soccer that we are going to see the 2019 New York Red Bulls play, and it's against Atlético de Pantoa in the CONCACAF Champions League. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. When is this game again? Sorry?
3: When is this game again?
0: It's uh, on, I I think it's on Wednesday. The 20th. It's on the Wednesday 20th. Of, yeah, so. Oh, I need to hear it again. <laughs> it's, it's, it's on the 20th this... of February. Oh, Ooh, yes. Oh, man. It's upon us, ladies and gentlemen. Four days. They've made it through the darkness and coldness. Can you winter. imagine
2: being a fan of a team who's not in Champions League or in the playoffs? know.
0: Yeah, like, dude.
2: <laughs> like, like, a Chicago fan.
0: Dude, if you're like in Colorado uh, having to put up with your shitty winters while watching shitty soccer oh, week in, week out, like, man. I think I just like die at that point. Uh, like, I just decide to stop living. I become a. I've become a hikikomori. I'd never leave the house. <laughs> You'd have to root for the Denver Nuggets. Oh, God. Hey, but the Nuggets are actually good now, though. Like, we can't shit up. Oh, the Rockies. I don't watch basketball No, <laughs> Nah, but... Um, I
2: only watch <laughs>
0: Um, But for real, uh, now, it's a sort of like a very interesting um, fixture for a variety of different reasons, and that's firstly mostly because... Um, it's a Dominican. It's a team from the Dominican Republic, which I think a lot of people. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Um, <laughs> this is this is actually now like a Demi- D- 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 Dominican Republic nationalism like podcast. So, uh, no, it's not. <laughs> it's not. Um, I would like to go on the record by saying, "Fuck Rafael Trujillo." <laughs> 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 Uh, yeah, that's, um, but for, for the truth of the matter is, is uh, you know, soccer in the Dominican Republic may not necessarily be um, everyone's first thoughts, right? I mean, obviously the Spanish Caribbean has been known as being obviously a dominant baseball territory, but now you're starting to see like uh, inroads being made into the Spanish Caribbean in terms of providing soccer talent. You know, I think uh, not insignificant that, as sort of like MLBs, like um, kind of fuckery in the territories, have kind of um, curtailed the development of baseball in Puerto Rico. Like you're kind of starting to see the same in the Dominican Republic, you know, even after a few years. And it really does seem that the local soccer scene has really started to take a hold on the imaginations of people in the Spanish Caribbean, right? I think you guys can probably speak to this a bit better, seeing as how, I mean, like, Nando's obviously Puerto Rican, if you're a Dominican, Juan, that. Um, Soccer is surprisingly becoming probably the second most popular sport in the area. Um, and it's kind of been, been occupied the, uh, like that throughout the Caribbean as well. Cause I mean like throughout the English Caribbean, it's cricket. That's the first sport followed by soccer, you know? Mm-hmm. So you're starting to see that if the Spanish Caribbean like nations kind of get in on the act and start developing their soccer talent a bit more, and it's already starting to kind of, Um, what is it, yield results in a way, because I believe that this is the second year in a row that a Dominican team has qualified for CCL as the Caribbean representative, right? Because last year it was Cibao, and this year it's Pantoa. So, you know, like, this is a league that's become a regional competitor and I think in a span of time that may surprise people, you know? So, um, would you care to comment a bit on the uh, state of soccer in uh, the spanish caribbean and how it's kind of grown over the past few years like uh, what's the story here is there some kind of uh cultural context to all of this
2: if i want to talk about this team specifically atletico pantoja i mean they were the team they were founded in like 2000 so they're almost 20 years old at this point oh much older than i thought they would be right um so they were started actually by, like, Argentinian immigrants, I guess, and they are working some, some factory or whatever. So they've been kicking around in, like, they say Liga Veteranos, which I guess is, like, just adult league men's soccer, up until um, Liga Mayor started, which is the league previous to what the current uh, iteration of the league in the DR is. Um, yeah, and they had won the league about three times before Liga Mayor ended. And so now they're – they are where they are.
0: Um, so um, talking about like uh, the, the, the local Dominican Soccer League actually. So um, um, it's been in operation for how long again? It's been a professional league. So
2: the league in its current state has been around since the, 2014. Right.
0: So it professionalized in 2014. And in that span yeah. of time, in just five years – They've already produced two, like Caribbean champions, I believe. Yeah. Wow, I mean that's definitely not insignificant when you consider the fact that the likes of Jamaica, the likes of Trinidad and Tobago, have qualified for the World Cup, right? I mean,
1: it, it it's interesting too because I mean, if if you compare, you know, DR to Puerto Rico, for example, uh, soccer has been established in Puerto Rico for a while. I mean, it's probably, I mean, at this point, maybe the third biggest sport is. If I had to guess, it's probably – or maybe fourth. It's probably behind uh, baseball, even though baseball is definitely dying in the island. Um, it's probably behind basketball, and it's definitely behind boxing. Um, but soccer is definitely getting a lot more popular over there. It's just interesting to to, to see, though, that you know it, it was definitely a lot more popular for longer in Puerto Rico than it was in Dominican Republic, yet Dominican Republic has been able to kind of professionalize themselves um, kind of faster – or quicker and really just kind of develop better teams than uh than in puerto rico the big development though in Puerto for puerto rican soccer uh is the league basically completely restructured this year um like significantly restructured uh they saw some massive uh, uh massive investment by some some big investors just something like 200 million dollar investment um, i think it was uh over the course of the next like 10 years for stadiums and academies and a bunch of stuff uh, David Vanilla, um, what's his name? <laughs> <laughs> David Vanilla. Um, David Vanilla. He's got, he's got, uh, he's had his academy down there for a while now, and um, I believe they actually have a professional team there too now in in their top flight league. Um, so I don't know. I, I think maybe maybe you'll start seeing Puerto Rico kind of uh, establish establish themselves a little bit better, um, kind of like how you know the, the uh, Dominican League has, um, but. I, I think those those are just generally speaking two places that soccer's kind of have. It has a long way to go before I think they really establish themselves. But it it is pretty awesome to see a DR, um, you know, kind of become what they've become in such a short amount of time.
2: Yeah, I think if you look at the best teams in the DR, like Atlético Pantoja, Cibao FC, and I think Atlético San Francisco, maybe it's these are teams that. Uh, coached by non Dominicans, coached by like Spaniards, Argentinians, Venezuelans, Uruguayans. So these are teams that have investors that are willing to put up the money. And, and on, it's, on, yeah.
1: And, and it's similar to, to to Puerto Rico too. A lot of I mean Puerto Rican soccer is really interesting because I mean they're they're uh they have links to real or they've had at some point real links to real clubs overseas. Like there was a Boca Juniors. There was a River Plate, Puerto Rico. There was, yeah, Sevilla had, um, I think they still have some kind of connection or maybe just recently ended it. But Sevilla had something there for a while. Um, uh, Boca Juniors had something there for a while. Uh, Trying to think. Um, There was some, there was another team from South America. I can't remember, but it's very similar to DR, where a lot of those, a lot of those clubs have roots from immigrants from somewhere like in South America or Spain or something like that. So there's definitely kind of a similar path, uh, path in that way.
0: And um, I, I guess um, what I'm kind of interested about actually is um, so like, it's, it seems to me that like a, the significant foreign investment from European clubs actually seems to have been paying off and developing soccer in this area. Right. Which is kind of like a very interesting, like sort of a case study, I think where, Um, you've seen similar programs like this, like kind of not really pay dividends throughout the world elsewhere. Right. So, um, I'm not really sure how, how familiar you guys would be in being able to provide the whole story behind the financial investment provided by European clubs in, uh, both Puerto Rico and Dominican Republic, but you've seen similar initiatives in Asia that haven't really taken off for one reason or another. You know, I think, uh... You, we've seen Barcelona invested into Academy in Singapore that didn't really take off um, because it was glorified summer camp really at the end of the day and the level of coaching was very high. Um, and then you know there was a, an agreement between the J League actually and the Singapore Premier League where they would send a satellite club for a, a team in Japan known as Alberex Niigata to set up a satellite team Niigata, in yeah. Singapore. And uh, you kind of had a bunch of other similar models from more established clubs in Asia, sending a reserve squad to get minutes in Singapore against local Singaporean teams, right? So you'd have Beijing Guoan used to send a team, as did Dalian Shida, but both of those guys closed down because <clears throat> the levels of the level of play like just wasn't good enough to justify the investment, and the results weren't like quantified. So I'm kind of interested if uh, you guys would be able to kind of shed some light into why it's kind of different in Puerto Rico and in the Dominican Republic, where this sort of investment from foreign clubs has kind of elevated the level of local soccer. Like, Would you guys have any idea as to how or why?
1: I think it's actually pretty uh, – yeah, I mean I think it's actually pretty easy. Those leagues were just simply more established than anything in Puerto Rico and, and Dominican Republic. Yeah. I think it really, really it's kind of what it comes down to. I mean – you can invest in it. You can have some level of investment in in a club in a country, but if, if the league itself that they play in is, I mean, barely passable as professional or, or truly organized, uh, there's only so much that you can really, you know, kind of benefit from that. And and I know at least in Puerto Rico, that was the case. Um, There's a reason why the league just had a massive, you know, restructuring. And that's because quite frankly, the league just was not up to any real standard at all. I mean, uh if if <laughs> the the best way i can i can i can i think explain uh, uh the leagues in Puerto Rico at least somewhat recently is just think about how soccer started like 120 years ago where it was just like you yeah, know friends and pub guys type of shit that just like played for a professional team quote unquote professional and that's kind of what it is i mean a lot of these kids are like a lot of players you'd see they're they're like in high school, you know, or they just have regular jobs. Like this wasn't the state of Puerto Rican soccer is not at all what what it was, I'm sure in Singapore and and maybe some of the other um some of the other countries that you mentioned. And I think that's really kind of what it comes down to is just that the level of professionalism where you could even invest into was just not even remotely close to the same.
2: Hmm. Yeah. I mean with regards to the DR, I feel like it's less involvement with European club as much as it's just it's people with money right you know what i mean yeah. people with money people who can take vacations in europe wanting their kids to play soccer right watch nothing but uh la liga highlights <laughs> on their cable boxes. yeah and and,
1: yeah. and one thing i i think it's important to also bring up too and 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 i don't i don't want to you know turn this into some political thing with with uh, puerto rico but do it, Fernando. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Stop that shit, <laughs> homie. but now the, the the status of Puerto Rico and what's going on in Puerto Rico and and between the the economic and social issues, um, I think also play a pretty significant role. Um, there's only, I mean, I, I I definitely heard a lot of blowback um, about the level of investment that these investors were were willing to put into this new league when you know there's still part massive parts of, of Puerto Rico that. Barely have electricity. Um, the water sucks, or if they're you know, there's a drought right now. Um, there's a lot going on there, and it's it's just kind of one of those things where, like, realistically, how much can you invest in something like a sport when there's so many other like very, very, very significant issues going on? You know, at, at the because of a hundred plus years of, of colonialism, so there's only so much investment that can really make some kind of, you know, make a real impact. There's only so much uh, that can really be done over there. And 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 I think this, I do you see it not just with soccer, but I mean, boxing is a sport that, I mean, shit, it's boxing. You know, look at some of the greatest fighters in, in boxing history came from Puerto Rico, and even that's a sport that's kind of dwindling. Uh, baseball, thanks to some rule changes by uh, by MLB um, uh, a while back, has essentially ruined the sport. And that's why you see so few Puerto Ricans in Major League Baseball. Um, basketball, I mean there's never really been a real high-level professional uh presence in there, but it's just a just a sport that people play there. So there's just a lot going on there that I don't think Puerto Rico, or at least not anytime soon, will be any kind of real discussion for for any kind of uh real presence in, in Caribbean soccer. But Dominican Republic, who I'm sure, you know, they have their own issues uh, they have their own issues there, but it's a lot different, and I think you'll definitely see them uh, establish themselves uh, a lot sooner in the uh, you know Caribbean soccer you know structure than than you will Puerto Rico. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I guess we'll just do like a quick glance at the roster uh, that we can expect for Atlético Pantoa. So I think the name that kind of stands out here is 19 uh, year old uh, Ronaldo Vasquez, who uh, is kind of like a. Very young, exciting talent, I think, considered in Dominican soccer. Um, two caps for the senior team at the age of 19, scoring two goals. So I think, you know, this is Dominican Marcus Crashford, I guess. Um, <laughs>
3: and a bunch of other,
0: uh, you know, a bunch of other, I think, Dominican nationals in the team. Darley Bautista, um 11 goals and eight, 11 caps and eight goals for Dominican national team. Um, and uh, I think Jean... Carlos Lopez, 25-year-old, John Carlos Lopez, 15, the Dominican Republic. I mean, um, this is a team that I.
2: One notable absence is uh, one Jonathan Fania, who was released uh, just this off-season, who is probably one of the best Dominican soccer players of the past 15 years. Um, which is good because, uh, fun fact, he was on the W Connection team that knocked us out of oh, CCL. Shit. Oh, shit. <laughs> uh, okay.
0: okay, so we kind of dodged a bullet right. with that one is what I kind of sense. Yeah. Um,
2: yeah, with these Dominican, it's an interesting mix of guys because you have guys who are young enough that they're kind of – kicking it now, fortunate enough to be kicking it now when the league is sort of becoming more professional. And then you have these older guys who have been just been around the Caribbean leagues forever. Yeah,
0: playing for the uh, Portmores and the Debbie uh, Connections of the world, right? Like, I think... Exactly. Um, yeah, yeah, so, I, I mean, I'm going to be honest with you guys uh, who expected kind of more from this Pentoa preview. Like, it's, it was really very hard... Um, finding a lot of really in-depth information about, like, uh, most of the guys in this roster, if I'm being quite frank. But um, it really does kind of... uh, I I, I really do think that if we want to take the CCL run seriously, like, we're going to have to put these guys out to pasture. Like, we're... we're, we're, And I know that this is probably, like, a major time in Dominican soccer, because, like, you're starting to finally see, like, the the level of professionalism surrounding the sport in general kind of rise. But look, I mean, if we don't get the job done in this tie, like that's just going to simply be like the most embarrassing loss in franchise history. I mean, like this is, this is the best team. This is a team that kind of accumulated a best regular season points total in 2018 with 71 points returning with 10 out of 11 starters. Like, if we field that first team lineup playing the system, like I would, con- I would consider it a minor disappointment. Actually, if we don't put more than three on them, like if I'm being quite frank with you, um, anything short of a win will be a disaster. I think for our prospects. And, um, yeah.
3: I, I, yeah.
1: I mean, look, anything, anything happens. Yeah, you know, this is a crazy ass sport, and crazy things have happened, but. I, this is this is the best team in MLS history. Yeah. Right? So if the best team in MLS history um can't get the job done and, and this is no disrespect at all to to that team, but let's let's keep it real. If they if they can't go there and handle business against against that level of opponent, that's that's shocking. Yeah. Um yeah. like straight up it would like I'm not even I'm not even Like I'm not even trying to be funny, that would be by far the most embarrassing moment in this team's history by a substantial margin.
2: Um,
1: Mm -hmm. I actually saw a quick clip on YouTube, uh, seeing this team play, and my feelings on that multiplied because that is a team that didn't seem comfortable at all under pressure. It did not seem like a a team that had a composed first touch, especially under pressure. Um, Didn't seem like a team that could Uh, connect well under pressure, that is like perfect recipe for a team that is the best pressing team in North America. So with those things in mind, if you can't find a way to put multiple goal, uh, multiple goals, that's we, we have, we have some problems. I mean, I would expect if something bad happened in DR that, you know, come back to Jersey, things will be handled and, and we'd be Okay. But that would not be a fun way uh, to start the season, like yeah. at all. I mean, yeah.
2: I, no, I mean
1: base what I'm saying is if if we don't go out of there, thirty-two nothing, thirty-five. I mean, I am um, canceling.
0: I'm, I'm,
1: cance- I'm canceling my season <laughs> tickets. I'm done with this shit.
0: You want us to drop a Australia versus American <laughs> Samoa level of scoreline? I think that'd be a really good um, goal to aspire for.
2: Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, I don't. I don't think we could. I, I'm confident that we can make quick work of this team, but I don't want to. Not no disrespect to this team because they are clearly up for it, and yeah, obviously they want this yeah. scout real bad.
1: Yeah. You you know how I can it's see this
2: game in Dominican soccer history. Yeah. If being oh, it's definitely. Oh, yeah.
1: definitely. The best way. The best way I can kind of describe like worst case scenario uh, for me that would be almost be acceptable is is kind of like like a uh, like the situation with um uh these fucking shitty chili making losers in uh in, in Ohio, i uh, Cincinnati. That US Open <laughs> Cup game where obviously the level of quality was just miles apart. But that was a team that was up for. It. They knew they were the under, they were the underdogs and they were on full like yo let's 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 make this into a movie type shit. And they yeah. played well. They were beating us, you know, at one point, too, you know, for for a good portion of the game to nothing. I don't I don't think it will get that bad, but I can definitely see a situation where, you know, this is the biggest game in Dominican soccer history. They're going to step up and they're going to put it all on the line. And maybe they make it interesting, but I, I would expect us to have an FC Cincinnati uh, kind of moment where we kind of wake up and, and we just kind of just handle business. Yeah. You know what I mean?
0: No, I'm with you in that one. Like, uh, I, I, I mean, I'm just going to straight up, uh, Go ahead and give my prediction, I think, for this game. Like, look, the baseline for me is very simple. I expect a 3-0 win at the, at the minimum. And uh, I, I, I said it. It'd be I would be mildly disappointed with a 2-0 win. I'd be very disappointed if it was 1-0. And it would be a disaster if it was a draw. And it would be the worst result in franchise history if it was a loss. So I'm going to go with the baseline <laughs> 3-0 yeah. win. I'm going 4-1. <laughs> How about you? One.
2: Let's say 7-0. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the only way
1: I would accept the team.
2: I think 3-0 is fine. Let's go with 3-0. Yeah.
1: I'm giving one goal just because shit happens. Maybe they can get a goal like on a penalty or
2: something like that. Yeah. Um, just because it, it's becoming more likely that we're bringing our first team lineup out. Yeah. There, yeah. Considering who's out against Portland right now. Yeah. Um,
1: but what I was going to say is the only acceptable score line that involves us giving up multiple goals is if it ends six to
3: nine. <laughs> I
1: because I, it would literally read sixty-nine, and I would be one hundred percent okay with that. I'm okay. I'm that. That would be fine with me. I don't mind going going back to RB with with nine and goals.
0: Yeah, um, yeah. I guess that kind of does it for the segment of the podcast. So uh, we're going to be opening up the mailbag now, and we it's a pretty full mailbag uh, today. Um, we would like to once again thank everyone for sending in a question for us to talk about on the pod as usual. These questions are great, and uh, I think we'll get this out the way first. Uh, if you made it this far into the episode. Tweet 69 at Gustavo Casasola. Um, <laughs> you knew it was coming, you guys. I just wasn't... I, I'm not going to tell you, like, when it's going to come. But, yeah, you know, you knew it was coming. But I think we got to switch it up a little bit because I think Dave Martinez is being a bit of a fuckboy. So, um, choose choose one or the other, you guys. Um, Casasola or Martinez. Like, the, the, the world is yours. Um,
2: Por que no Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs>
0: So uh, the first question on Twitter coming from Edward Ritter. I hope you like my little rhyme here today. Something to discuss in the next rundown. A bong is probably gone. Do we need a big body number nine as a tactic when a late goal is needed? Can Brian White fill that role? Um, Judging from how he's been playing in this preseason friendly so far, I have confidence in Brian White. Uh, He's probably kind of the most like for like. I mean, he's not a big body like a bong is. I don't think he's going to be like, he's not going to give like this great Physical smash presence that you can play smash mouth soccer with, but White does fill that niche really well because he's a very intelligent mover and he gets in really good positions to score goals. You know, I think, uh, uh all things considered, I think I do have a faith in Brian White to be a pretty decent backup option at the very least. And uh, the guys clearly made a lot of gains in the system that I think, uh, people don't really give him a lot of credit for because, I mean, he's not a big name, because he came up through a for Red Bull 2, he was a draft pick, ETC, ETC, but I think Brian White is a perfectly serviceable backup striker, but I don't think he'll be needed as much considering that we have Jorgensen now, and Jorgensen does kind of bring give that um, different definition off the bench of his pace, so while he may not have a Bong's, like, you know, like size or his physical presence, like speed kills, right? So I think Jorgensen would be that sort of different thing, that different look that we may need. Brian White would be a perfect, like, like for like BWB replacement.
1: Yeah, I think um, it's funny because, you know, a lot of people have, have kind of yelled over um, the last year, I'd say about a season and a half or so, definitely last season, that this team needs, you know, some, some high level, you know, uh, Backup striker to Bradley White Phillips and realistically in MLS, that just, it just doesn't exist. I, if anyone can, can shut off some backup striker, who's like a high level player for any team in MLS, I would be, I would be shocked. The exception might actually be, might, might actually be us uh, with Matthias. That's, that's a very, very, very big luxury to have um, someone who's potentially uh, uh, as good as, as Matthias may end up being. Um, so it's just funny to me because we kind of went from from just having Bradley and White as kind of the, the the striker rotation last season to Bradley, Matthias, and White. Uh, Anatole is, in my opinion, he's done. I I, I he's never going to wear a uniform again for this team. I, I would be shocked if that ever happens. But this is this is the Anatole um bomb story, and who knows what would happen. Um, but I do think that 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 striker trio of of uh of White Anatole and Bradley White Phillips is going to be absolutely awesome. I do think White's going to see a lot more minutes than I think people are are uh, might expect. Just because I definitely feel like the team's going to shift more to a pure two striker formation, um, and and not as much as how we've seen it, where it starts off like you mentioned before as a you know four two three one with one of the wingers kind of tucking in and pushing up. I think we might actually see full blown two strikers up front, which. Might mean White and and uh, and Matthias up front. So what each of those players bring, I, I don't think we have a real big bodied, you know, kind of guy like Anatole, But I think that's fine because I think White, Matthias, and Bradley all give very very different things uh, up front, whether it's by themselves or in any kind of two striker formation. So I, I think we're I think we're pretty deep now at this point in, at the striker position.
3: Yeah, uh-huh. yeah,
0: like certainly deeper than we've ever been. Up top, certainly. And I think uh, it's not insignificant. Uh, any, Juan, do you have anything to add to that? or? Uh,
2: no, I mean, we're in, a, we're in a position where the system can do a lot of the work. Where we don't – people, people thinking about we need one guy who can sort of do a whole – people are expecting – we're not going to sign uh, George Weah, guys. We're not going to get into a time machine <laughs> and bring George Weah back <laughs> uh, on loan from Celtic. From
0: PSG. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, it, it would be kind of, like, ridiculous, right? I mean, you go up to PSG... I mean, MLS has made improvements as a league, guys. Don't get me wrong, but you go up to PSG and be like, I want to take your prospect to be the backup to BWP. What are they going to say? Like, fuck out. Fuck out of here, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. go. I
1: just, I just want to mention real quick, just want to bring one more comment that, I, it just, you know, we had solid striker depth in 2017 because of Verone, but that was an accident. I mean, let's, let's, let's be honest. Verone was never meant to be a backup. He was never, he was, he wasn't brought into this team to be, you know, to, to be coming off the bench. This is, I I think we might have a little bit of a different situation where, you know, our depth is just pure depth. It's just constructed as depth and, and solid rotation. So, Yeah. Um, I
0: guess uh, moving ahead to the next question from NYC underscore John Z. Do you think Jorgensen ends up with Red Bull two for part of the season or does he go straight to the first team? And I think I've already said this at the top of the episode, but I don't see how he doesn't like contribute with the first team immediately. I think he's going to, he he slated for first team minutes here, guys. Like they said, he was a time level player and, uh, Basically, all the indications point to him having a role with the first team right off the bat. You know, he's probably it's probably the plan with him, and then it'll be very interesting to see how he fits into the whole picture. Like once he gets his visa stuff out the way.
1: Yeah, I answered it before.
2: And I he's I, been built as, uh, as a as an, as an immediate impact is the words I think Av used. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I that's mentioned
1: right. I mentioned it before. I, I would be. I, I think at this point, I would between the word between what Dennis has said and. And some other stuff. Um, yeah, I, I would be surprised if he if he spends any time at all with Red Bull 2. I just don't see. I just don't see a window of opportunity for him going down there.
0: Yeah. Um. Patrick Dawan, friend of the show, asking in Twitter, with Jorgensen White and BWP as our strikers, does Chris Armis do an extended run of the four triple two this season, especially considering BWP is in his twilight years? Do RB two emulate that to get Barlow ready? And this is a very interesting question for me, and I think we've made mm. hints at this throughout the episode. I think that if there was a season where we go four triple two, like this is probably this would be yeah, it. this is probably the most well equipped squad
2: we have mm-hmm. to put. You know who – because we have we have Brian White, we have Mat- Matthias Jorgensen, we have BWP. But you know who we don't have? Who? Jesse Marsh's Galaxy. <laughs>
3: <laughs> oh, true.
0: <laughs> Remember when we were trying to do that shit in, in like 2017 and Sasha Kleschen exactly. was playing on, on the uh, wing? Like, what the fuck was right? that, man? Oh,
3: like, boy.
0: You're talking about like square peg in a round hole shit. Like that was basically like 4222 in 2017. And, you know, I understand yeah. the skepticism that a lot of people kind of have – for the formation as a result of like past uh, attempts at trying to play it. But I will say that now that we actually do have two or three, like pretty decent options up front, like this is probably the most well-equipped squad that we have to play it. I mean, like you have Kaku as well, who's kind of adept at playing in the center and out wide on the wing. You have Florian below who can do the same thing. I mean, you, you do have a better, the, the the team's probably better set up now to play that way than it's ever been. So I think uh yeah, I mean to answer your question Pat, I think like it's possible, you know, I think
1: yeah.
0: I wouldn't rule it out.
1: Yeah, I mean we, we mentioned before, you know, again, it, the the team the way the team played a, quite a bit last year, especially um Pinning below and Royer, uh it, it may have started as a 4-2-3-1, but they were depending on the game state and 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 the transition and some other stuff. A lot of times it would basically morph into a 4 or triple 2 2 um, or or some variant of a you know four four two or something that involves two strikers basically, but I think this year is definitely the first year that we are definitely equipped to go full on like two straight up pure strikers up top, and and you know kind of just go from there. Which which is why I think your White is going to play a, a key part in this because look he he played well with the first team last year and a couple of times he played, so he showed that he can handle. Uh, he can handle himself. He's doing really well so far against Portland. This is Portland's A team. Um, so I don't see White as someone who's going to be like just kind of coming off the bench, you know, to kind of waste minutes in like the 80th minute. I can honestly see White getting some, getting some burn and getting some minutes in the, uh, uh, this season too, especially if the plan is to go with, a, uh, you know, with, with some kind of two striker formation because you have him, you have, uh, uh, uh Matthias, you have Bradley. You don't have to run Bradley out, drive, you know, and, and play him. You know, on some ungodly amount of minutes at his age. You have so many different looks now, whether it's just Bradley on the field or just Matthias or Bradley and Matthias or you know, Matthias and a uh, uh, White. The team has so many different looks and tactical looks and formational looks and all this stuff. It's going to be fun to see.
2: You remember at points early last season that it would be like the 75th minute and our opponents retired, and then we bring in Alex Muyle and Derek Etienne Jr. to finish the game? Imagine that for 90 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Fucking- this is super saiyan two soccer. Oh my God.
1: Could, could you imagine God. could you imagine a team going balls out like just some some I mean just straight up EDS shit, right? And then like, but with but with Matthias and let's say, I don't know, White up front. And then they bring in Bradley in like the 70th minute. Could you imagine the sinking feeling that a team must have, knowing that one of the greatest goal scorers in MLS history is like coming off the bench, or if he or he's starting and they have someone like you know, we can make this assertion. I think maybe later on when he proves himself. But if Matthias ends up proving himself, bringing someone like Matthias off the bench. Exactly. Yeah, I mean,
0: like, that's the thing. Like, Mick Jorgensen late in the game is, like, a combination of, like, what we saw of Verone late in the game with that pace coming yeah. off the bench, right? Only that this is a guy who's familiar playing striker. So he mm-hmm. is, really has the movement down. And uh, if he can learn to press better than Verone, I think that was kind of, like, the thing that was kind of holding him back during his um, time here. Um, you know, I think there's definitely stuff to be excited about. Um, to kind of answer that second part, that question with the RB2, emulating that with Tom Barlow, Um Look, I mean...
2: I forgot about Tom Barlow. Oh, guys. Yeah. Look, I mean,
0: <laughs> Barlow is probably the closest oh, thing guys. on the roster right now, I feel, that can emulate what Anatola Bong does. And I think for that reason, like, I can see Willie. like, Wooly's generally very good at integrating with the overall development philosophy of the organization. So, I mean, like, if the mantra comes from up top this year that this is the year that you try and integrate into 4 triple I think Wooly follows suit, you know, so I think uh, I wouldn't rule it out either. You know, I mean, it'd be fun to see if Red Bull 2 is learning, like, the two or three different tactical looks that the senior team does, like, this year. And they have the roster to do it as well. I mean, like, there's going to be some fun games, I think, down at Montclair this year.
2: Okay, here's an idea. How, how much how much money did, did Al Maron go for to
1: Newcastle? $27 million.
2: Okay, which... Premier League team can we trick into getting out Bong? Hmm. Can we convince Huddersfield to spend 30 million on Anatole Bong?
1: I mean, Arsenal? Um, maybe they might be dumb you enough. Let,
2: let's tell you which China Super League team is willing to pay out the ass it, it, it would, for Anatolebon? It Fox. would
0: definitely be like some desperate club like, uh, I don't know, Changchun. Because, uh, Changchun did just sell an Odeonic Gallo to Shenhua, so exactly, we <laughs> they need a replacement. <laughs> so that's my call right now. Uh, Anatole Bang goes to Changchun Yatai in a, exactly. <laughs> the Chinese. I, I, <laughs> Oliver, I
2: <laughs> know you're listening to this podcast. I'm going to tell you this right now.
1: I'm going to tell you this right now. If we somehow course, any club in this planet to pay a transfer fee for Anatole Bang, that will forever <laughs> Be the single greatest transfer in MLS history.
2: Who is let's say, like who is uh, in in the English Championship? Who's like right on the bubble
0: uh, of promotion? Who's willing? Really- One of the Sheffield clubs, maybe. Like who knows? Like <laughs> um,
1: I still can't, I, I still can't believe he's the, out the, the meme saying.
0: answer like two or three years ago would have been Leeds, but they're actually competent now because they kicked Cellini out. Mm-hmm. So Can he oh, be yeah.
2: Swansea?
0: No, it wouldn't be Swansea. Uh, Hugh Jenkins is too cheap. No. Wow. <laughs> you've heard this story before am I right like you're, that yeah. anyway <laughs> um, next question coming from Jeremiah so odds of Mario actually staying the whole season any mm. chance he makes another push to leave in the summer I think he's staying the whole season at this point but um, they've how old is uh,
2: Mario again? sorry? how old is Mario? like 23? Yeah, he's only, 23 I think
0: yeah, he's okay. 23 this year, so... Um, I mean, like, I think it'd be a pretty good, like, um, what is it? It's pretty good odds that he stays the whole season, but I wouldn't begrudge him if he kind of moves on. Because, uh, yeah. I mean, like, we, we like uh, fullback depth for me kind of went from being a problem position to being one of the deepest positions in the organization at this point. You know, I mean, you have Kyle Duncan ready to step in once Murillo goes, and then below him you have... Um, a whole bunch of guys who were brought in this year who look like they can be potential contributors at that position as well. I mean, you talk about Alan Yanez, who balled out for Red Bull 2 last year. He can play both fullback positions. You have Reese Buckmaster, who's having a great game at left back right now for Red Bull 2. Uh, he's another really good option. I mean... um if he makes a push to leave, I mean, like I wouldn't really begrudge him for that because I think it's probably been on the radar for a while now. And Amir definitely does have that talent where he can kind of play in Europe. But you know, if we does if if Amir does end up moving on, you know, it's not the end of the world because we have really good quality options like right behind him. And he definitely deserves it the way he's played the last few years. I think people give him a lot of flack because he switches off every now and then defensively. It happens with young defenders, you know. If he uh, figures it out. And he ever learns to be a bit more engaged of how he plays in defensive end, you know, he's going to be a stud. It's going to make the best back four in MLS history even better, if you ask me. Like,
1: I <laughs> think, I think Amir leaves in the summer, and I, I think it's going to end up being because of Duncan. Um, apparently Duncan's looked really, really well so far. Um, he was looking really good last year before he got hurt. I could. Mm-hmm. This team has shown the willingness to move on with someone when there's a suitable replacement. So, if there's interest in someone that they paid very, very little for, um, and you have a good, suitable replacement, then pull the trigger. I mean, you next man up. You know, Giannis is sitting in Red Bull too. All right. If you got to sell Amir, you get that money. Duncan, you know, Duncan moves up. And you know, I don't know, you sign up Giannis to some shit and, and now he's you know, now he's the next man man in line, uh, you know, off the bench for that spot. But um I I think it depends on, on what kind of season he has. If he has another season like last year, um and Duncan shows, you know, to be well, I I, I, I can see him heading on the summer.
2: Yeah. So, Crystal Palace, if you're if you're listening, <laughs> you still have $30 dollars yeah. for Mike or Maria. <laughs> I mean, be my guest in the summer, obviously, not right now. I mean,
0: I, I I still hold the opinion that, like, you know, we're in kind of a luxury position. We're in a position of luxury with our right back, you know, like,
2: but like. In a position of luxury until someone gets injured. <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah, yeah. That, that's kind of like the uh, what you call it. I think that's kind of like the uh, caveat here is that this is assumes full health for the rest of the season. So um, hopefully, uh, well, you know, what? We earned it. Portland scored, bastards. Yeah. No, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> they were due one at least, but like whatever, yeah. man. Hey, no, it's I. Our I, reserves. I th-
1: yeah, I, I really do feel are. a lot more comfortable this year with our fullback uh, with our fullbacks than last year. Um, I think we have enough uh, enough cover um, on both sides. Where if we were to lose somebody, uh, whether by transfer or injury, we'll be able to deal with it better than last year. The question becomes, you know, do we lose more than one like last year? And if we do, I mean, you know, it depends on 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 how some of uh, on how uh, Talkmaster, you know, holds up It depends on how Giannis does in Rebel Two. Um, I do think that we we might be able to handle that better than we did last year. I'm still not convinced about the center back spot. That's the that's still a spot that I feel a bit concerned about when it comes to uh, when it comes to depth. And I feel like I re- I say this every fucking year, actually. Yeah,
0: no, it's it's been the recurring theme for like the last five or six seasons is that we always seem to be one short at center back, and I think that's the problem position most people haven't really been talking about as much, but I will say that um, what's-his-face, Nielis has looked pretty decent in this preseason game, so looks like he's
3: been the option yeah, it looks like he
0: might be the option Uh, like kind of a bit of a one that people may not expect, but as per usual for this organization, they kind of go off the board sometimes of how they evaluate Talon, and you're right more often than not, so you know, if they think that Nielis can do it fine, give him a chance, you know and we do have the uh, we do have the flexibility to bring in a whole bunch of guys like in the summer if it kind of if uh, we need be. So you know, I mean I'm not really too concerned just yet. It's a matter of qualifying for the playoffs, you guys. I mean, like I'm not gonna pretend that like fucking like I fucking know like there's any like perfect science to win MLS Cup. Like anyone who does is just trying to sell you snake oil, really. Pretty um, much Colin asking, thoughts on RBA renovations, closing down the 10 upper deck sections um you know i mean like i don't i'm probably not going to be at red bull arena for a while (laughs) (laughs) so um i probably kind of i haven't really been staying on top of this uh, news as much because it doesn't really affect me as much and i know it's kind of a kind of a what is it like maybe not the most um warmest thing to say but um it's true I mean like I haven't really I I personally don't really have much of an opinion one way or another um we're gonna have to kind of see like what these renovations are made for the purpose of doing um it's wait and see for me it doesn't really affect me as much so I'm gonna throw it over to you guys because it probably um affects your game day experience a bit more than it's probably gonna affect mine this year so
2: what was the point about Making it look like the stadium was more full for the cameras. Fernando. Yeah, so
1: there's like this conspiracy going around that they're doing this for, for, uh, to make the TV side look full, which, I mean, look, anything is possible, but that would mean the team is flat out lying, um, with their press release. Um, the press release was very specific in saying that it, that they were reducing capacity and they were, they were closing sections down, uh, because of, of, um, you know, enhancements and changes and stuff like that going down at the stadium. Um, the the big problem that this conspiracy theory presents itself is if they're not actually doing any kind of renovations, well, then how do you, you know what happens in August when it, it looks suspiciously the same as it did in March? What happens next year when you haven't done anything all year and now they want to do this? You know, do the same thing again. What excuse do they come out with now? Like that that conspiracy theory to me holds there it, it, it doesn't make any sense um, what I do think is interesting though is and and I'm the kind of person where I try to you know I try to if I have if I try to formulate an opinion or a theory or something I try to find as much evidence of something I can and then you know go from there so for me the only real thing we have or I have to go by to, to think of what's really going on is um, March 7th, 2016 an article came out uh, the Grand Prix was uh, it was about stadiums and MLS um, and the most important part for me and I've been I brought this up I feel like I bring this up at least once every year but he had mentioned that uh, the team that the stadium was built in its current structure to be expanded anywhere from three to 4, thousand seats in its current structure and that was something that and he as he said something they were going to start planning within the next 24 to 36 months. Well, math says that we are now 36 months in. So that is the most clear evidence of any kind or something that we can point to to, like, to to explain what's going on. Now, does it mean that they're actually expanding the stadium by 3,000 to 4,000 seats? I have no idea. But I think the bigger point is clearly the team has been planning some type of significant renovations to the stadium as far back as 2016. How expansive those renovations are, we have no idea. We won't know because I'm sure the team won't say it, um, and we won't find out until we find out. But I, I don't think this is some weird conspiracy. I think it's pretty clear that the team is doing something significant to what is now a 10-year-old stadium to make things better. Maybe they're um, – I don't know. Maybe they're they're changing the seats in those sections. Uh, maybe they're adding – um, uh, another section on, on top of the skybox. Uh, who knows what they're doing. Um, I, if they are doing an expansion, if they, if there is a way to add three to 4,000 seats or anything less than that, it's probably going to be to remove the, uh, the, the, the beams that basically just sits on top of, of the sky, uh, the suites. Um, and I guess put a section on top of there. I, I have no idea. Um, but yeah, I, there's no I don't think there's any conspiracy. We'll find out soon enough. If I do have a concern, it's going to be um is if th- is is that going to make how much is that going to affect the the game day experience which sometimes can be a little rough on on games where like it's sold out. You know, I hope that this doesn't mean that like certain concessions, uh concession stands in that same in those same section Sections are also going to be closed. Like, is it just the seats that are closed or are they going to, you know, are they doing something, What whatever they're doing, does it also involve maybe closing some of the concessions out or something? I don't know. I hope not because that would be an absolute disaster. But it is interesting. It is a beautiful stadium. Um, it, in my opinion, it's it's probably the second nicest soccer-specific stadium um, at this point, but it's it's definitely, I think, about time that they do some kind of significant re- uh, renovation so we'll
2: we'll see yeah yeah I guess on the point of the conspiracy theory uh it's not a very good one we should come up with a better conspiracy theory let's say what, what, what can we think I think they're closing those sections to opening up a, a second recess locations let's put that out there <laughs> um,
1: they're just they're, they're just gonna open an entire restaurant in those sections an
2: entire Let's assume that we're opening up condos in that section. Is a deal with the city of Harrison, New Jersey.
0: They're moving to the holding cells from the basement to the top.
2: <laughs> there we go.
0: <laughs> so, uh, yeah, you get a world class view of the. We're
2: putting in. We're putting in a uh, Diedrich Muddish. It's private dungeon.
0: Yeah, no, that's really good to interrogate people. Um, like. It's they're going to be putting. Uh, it's the it's the uh, gulag for the shit posters in RBNY Twitter. Let's let's put it that way. <laughs> you t- you talk too much shit about the team. They come arrest you at the stadium and you get interrogated. <laughs> they take your phone away.
2: Oh my god! That's why they're doing e tickets. It's so they can have the data accessible. <laughs> exactly.
0: You guys, you guys.
2: Oh, it's all coming together, you guys. <laughs>
0: is it? A- that's it. <laughs> we figured it out.
2: You have to connect your 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 email account, which is probably the same that connects to your Twitter account.
0: Listen, all you guys talking shit online, I didn't realize that it was gonna like eventually come back and bite you in the ass. Well, I hope you're happy now. Okay. Like, <laughs> as soon
2: as you scan your ticket, it also scan your tweet, your timeline. Exactly. Like these
0: dumb motherfuckers, man. Like... <laughs> <laughs> all right, last question for the uh, episode coming from Casey Jones, longtime listener. Um, has the Adams void been filled by players returning new signings, etc.? And, um, I've been thinking about this question a lot. Um, and I think, you know, I'm going to get it right off the bat. I mean, like, I don't really think that there's a thing as a complete Tyler Adams replacement on the roster right now, because Tyler is a generational prospect, you guys. I mean, like, this is literally a guy who comes along like once every, what, maybe 20 years, you know, I mean, in terms of how much ground he was able to cover and just how tactically like disciplined he was. I mean, it was, it's, it, it, it's a hole that can't be filled by one guy. And I really don't think that like um, we're in a position where um, like we're really in a position where you can kind of talk about a like for like Adams replacement. Cause I don't really think that there's a thing like kind of that that thing exists. I mean, I will say that he, I mean, I will say though, like, it can argue that the Adams void will be filled, but it's going to result in the system taking on, I think, a couple of different looks this year, maybe, because I think looking at the players that um, are in contention to uh, kind of fill that role, um, Kofi's probably going to be with Red Bull 2 for most of the year, and he's probably the most um, similar to Adams player right. that I can think of, but. Um, the main two options, no, sorry, the two or three options that we'll be looking at on the uh, roster right now um, for the senior team. I mean, Bezicourt is probably a depth player, so he's going to be like a, a bit less of a significant factor maybe, but we will. Uh, I think, you know, he's he's all right, but he can't really cover the same. Sort of like a budget Caceres maybe is kind of what I maybe put him as. Caceres is more of a, on the topic of Caceres, I think he's a bit more of a, deep-lying playmaker than I think people really give him credit for, so I think he's not going to be able to cover like the ground that Adams does, and he operates a lot more in terms of positioning and uh, being in the right place at the right time, so definitely more of a covering midfielder than Tyler Adams is who, is who press people proactively. I think the most... Um, the option that kind of stands out the most to me is obviously Mark Tchaikovsky. and I think people were talking a lot about this offseason about... Need to find a Riza replacement, but you don't need to replace Riza if you bring back Riza, right? <laughs> so I think it was a pretty good um, piece of business there. It's a really nice insurance policy in case is really take the system as quickly as people may want him to. So I think that's kind of mm. what we're looking at here. Um, I think it's going to be Davis and Riza to start the season. For what it's worth, and you know, it was a bit of a mixed bag with that pairing last season. Struggled again bit against teams that like to play physical but then they started against atlanta and just trashed him like shat shat on him limited joseph martinez to seven touches and only none of them in our half i believe was the uh, was the final call (laughs) which was unreal and um you know i i I do note that like uh you know people will point out that they were starting when we lost to montreal 3-0 in Quebec, but that was with the team coming off a five-game.
2: That was in the metric system, that and it was also
0: <laughs> like the team coming off a five-game in fifteen-day stretch, which is right. like uh, converted to the metric system, might as well be like twenty games in fifteen, yeah, fifteen yeah. days. But
1: uh, um, I think it ailed it. I don't think I. Not only do I do I don't think we we could realistically um, replace them internally. I don't even think they could go. Out to the market and get someone who is anything like Tyler Adams. He really is a very, very unique uh, type of player. Um, so, uh, you know, there of course, because you hear some people talk, oh, you know, they won't spend money to to uh, to replace him. I mean, they didn't.
2: Yeah, why don't we spend money? Why why don't we sign Lionel Messi to replace <laughs> Tyler? <laughs> You,
0: you imagine people, like, flipping shit as Messi plays, like, defensive midfield into this? Like, all the fucking...
2: Look, guys, I've done it in FIFA once. It's entirely possible. Is,
0: Mike LaBelle, is exactly. Mike LaBelle managing this team all of a sudden? Like, what the fuck is going on here, dude?
3: But...
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's funny to me, though, because these people are, are mad. You know, these people get mad that, you know, the, the team that got rid of Dax and didn't and didn't spend the Dax money and instead replaced Dax with two internal players... Uh, sold the player and now won't go outside to replace a player that they developed internally. Like it's just it's a weird spaghetti type of mindset. But yeah, he's not someone that you can just go out on a market and replace either way. So like you said, it's just gonna be something where you know you get as many good guys as you can um, to do as as much as they can. That might resemble, but the biggest replacement to Tyler Adams is gonna be kind of a slight systematic replacement you're just gonna have to you know take what you have which i think are are good replacements um and then just tweak things around and 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 you know we'll be fine i think
0: yeah i mean here's the thing is that like this happens every single year right like i mean we make a significant move someone moves off the roster
2: guys how are we gonna replace
0: (laughs) how are we gonna replace how are we gonna replace that's I was Mm going to say, like, this happens every year, right? Like, you have this team putting its faith in its ability to develop players internally and call them up from Red Bull 2 with the expectation that they'll be able to do a better job at senior level than the or at least put up a similar level of production to the guys that they replace at senior level. People will shit on the Red Bull 2 signings every single year and then uh, by the end of the season, just singing your names, singing your praises and everything. I mean, like, I've said this so many times over the last year. Like, I don't know what Red Bull 2 guys have to do to earn your respect but it like 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 there comes a point where shitting on them every year is going to be like gets more and more ridiculous as it goes on as you see guys coming up from the reserves and contributing at mls level i mean like i don't really understand like what people have to do to kind of show you that the proof of concept works but i mean like look guy it's like anyway at the end of the day like getting mad about this shit is more like your problem than it is mine you know like <laughs> I go with the uh. I'm gonna go with the with the uh, proof in the pudding here that it works. Probably works better than uh signing Nani or whatever nonsense. Really, if you ask me. Like, look, this is where I standpoint, You know, I mean, this is how it goes. Twenty two over. What was that?
1: Uh by the volume went up by mistake. Sorry.
0: Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, um. Anyone really have anything <laughs> to add to that? Or is no, that I think
1: okay? that, that that covers it pretty well. I think.
0: Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, I think I'll kind of leave it at that. Um, uh, you could argue that
2: um, at the way that we produce good players, even when we lose other ones, uh, you could call us, you could consider us the IAX of MLS. <laughs>
0: <laughs> at Matthew Doyle, <laughs> you know, you can at, you can at Matthew Doyle next time, you know, like the bald headed fuck. <laughs> um,
2: I, I could. <laughs> I'm not going you on. know,
0: I I really want to start like a like a Doyle parody account called MLS Banalist, like <laughs> Matthew Doyle, like sixty-nine. And <laughs> just have it be like the most egregiously like obvious, terrible analysis that you can provide.
1: Yeah, like Tyler like, Adams is right back. Oh wait, never mind.
0: <laughs> ever since Doyle dropped the MLS analyst handle, by the way, he's been absolutely terrible. Like he just he just writes like shitty think pieces nowadays. There's been a real point, like really. Yeah, it, it it's shifted
1: from like actual analysis to, you know, why don't you sign a difference maker type shit? So it's, you know.
0: Gotta get them clicks, man. Gotta like uh, get them views and MLS Digital,
3: <laughs>
0: I think. Uh, anyway. Yep. Yeah, it took, anyway, um, about close to two hours in this episode, and we're getting messy, ladies and gentlemen. But um, I think that'll come. Oh, of- man. <laughs> I think it'll kind of uh I think that kind of does about d- d- does <laughs> kind of, sorry wow um <sighs> the kind about does it for us here on the MetroFan TV weekly rundown jesus christ oh
2: uh, where it uh at Fordham Soccer, unblock me, you can. Oh, yeah, please. I was going to say, <laughs> yeah. oh, oh, yeah,
0: yeah, 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 no, no, no. If, if you listen this far into the episode, tweet 69 at Fordham Soccer. Like, <laughs> oh no. No, 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 tweet unblock at Nerdwitch. Yeah, unblock, tweet unblock at Nerdwitch at Fordham Soccer. Like, seriously. And then you
2: tweet 69
0: at them. Yeah, and then tweet 69 if they don't respond. Yeah. Like.
2: It's priority.
0: Like, listen, like, this is the fucking, like, humanitarian crisis of our decade, and no one's talking about it, which I think is shocking. Like, the bees are dying at an alarming rate, and Juan is blocked by Fordham Soccer on Twitter. Like, what the fuck
2: is It's, about? it's a green, I did
0: nothing wrong. He did nothing wrong. He's innocent, you guys. I did Such... nothing
3: <laughs> wrong.
0: Anyway, uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> that's all, folks. We'd like to thank, um... Juan for coming on for this uh, very special episode of Metrofan TV
2: My pleasure guys
0: and uh, well listen you guys, we're four days away from February 20th which is the first time that we'll see this beautiful, beautiful team back in action so on behalf of me and Fernando peace out and have a great rest of your preseason because Red Bull soccer is upon us Bye
3: We're gonna play football We're gonna play football we're talking about